Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine. Pimelo Mutine on SAFM. On SAFM. Seven minutes after two. Thank you so much for staying with us. So we generally have the Kids Corner. You've heard it here on this show. We would ask children all sorts of questions. And this time around, we had asked them about self-love. And I wanted um, assistance with this because we came across a, a voice note of a child that was quite worrying. And we've obviously done the right thing. We've spoken to the parents and we've got consent and they're going to actually be a part of this show. But I wanted to get an expert to talk to us about what that means, particularly for children and how to pick up on the signs that a child is not well. Dr. Lynette Rue is a clinical psychologist who joins us now on the line. A very good afternoon, Dr. Rue. Thank you so much for being a part of this conversation. Good good afternoon to you, Pamela, and to all the listeners. Can you define self-love for us? Um, okay, that's that's quite a big a big question. But but basically, self-love is really, I think, an acceptance of oneself, mm-hmm. um, a, a liking of oneself, a a kind of recognizing that yes, you know, kind of I have some good qualities. Um, and I like myself. I, I think I'm a, a good person. Um, um, so you know, it encompasses a lot. It's it's quite a big. Mm. It's quite a, a big yeah, a big thing. <laughs> is it is it something that we are naturally born with? Do we, if we took away all society's noise, mm. are we naturally? people who tend to love themselves if i took if i took um, away everything yes. else that that yes. is noise and that's hard because you know by the time you start vocalizing what you're saying you've heard <laughs> the noise already but all right yeah exactly exactly so yes i think we are we are naturally wired uh, neurologically wired to like ourselves we're naturally wired to protect ourselves to mm. promote ourselves you know so so I think that you know, yes, we're born to be like that, and that's good. That's a good thing. Um, you know, I, obviously, you get extreme cases where somebody's love or, or, or you know, love or liking of themselves goes beyond what would be normal, and mm-hmm. um, to the point that it is unhealthy. But we're not talking about that. In fact, we're almost talking about the opposite. Yes. Um, so yeah. So, you know, we are naturally wired to do that. But unfortunately, yes, from the time that we are born, we are exposed to a lot of judgment, a lot of criticism. Um, We're exposed to a lot of influence of, um, you know, what other people think we should be doing or should not be doing. And that includes our parents. Um, And I'm not saying that they do this to damage us or to hurt us or, you know, anything like that. They they are trying to do the best they can to bring their children up in, you know, in society to be fully functioning, well-integrated members of society. Um, but in doing, yeah, admittedly, what they think is the best thing and the right thing to do sometimes turns out to not be the case. So where does it take get, a lot? Kids get given messages, sorry. Mm-hmm. D- does it take a lot to erode that? In, in other words, is it, mm. would it have to be accumulative 
um, to to erode that, or sometimes not really, depending on the person. So, I think it would take it would take a, a fair amount, but but um, I'm, I, you know I need to qualify that mm. because it depends on the it depends on the little person's um, personality mm. as well. You know, so, some people, some children, their personality is just more resilient, more robust. Um, They've, you know, they kind of, they cheek back, they say what they think. Um, whereas other children are quite fragile in their, their personality structure. So they find it difficult to defend themselves, to to sort of answer back, etc. So, yes, it does. It wouldn't be, I would say, it, would, it wouldn't be one comment or, 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 you know, kind of just a couple of comments that would then start really seriously eroding a child's self-love. Mm. Um, but if it's a significant person, so for example, if it's the mother figure or the father figure mm-hmm. that keeps putting the child down, that could have a significant impact. So yeah. um, with what you've just said now, um, mm-hmm. and, and this is, I suppose, more for the parent, can a parent alter or mold a child's personality because you just said it depends on the child's personality which which to me means we are born with an individual um, personality that is unique Mm. to you and Mm. you bring that with you to life's experiences and then something comes off that but Mm. can Mm. am i able to alter and mold my child's personality is that possible to some extent, um, I wouldn't say entirely, mm-hmm. um, but definitely as, you know, a child, so it's very much an interplay and it's this whole debate that we have within psychology but also within the medical profession too in terms of the different, the, the, the interplay between nature and nurture, mm. what, what we are born with genetically and then, um, you know, kind of the impact of the environment that we live in. Um, on our bodies, on our psyche, on everything. Okay, so so the child, children are born with a personality of some sort. Okay, usually when they're very little, it's very basic in terms of whether they are um, very very placid, very very contented, or whether they are very unsettled, very niggly, very demanding or whether they are just kind of like in the middle. So you can at least identify that with little newborn infants. Um, but so, so yes, we are born with some, you know, some personality, um, and that, that then plays out as we grow up. But but the, our environment impacts on that as well. So you have this interplay between what the child is experiencing in their, their world and what their own their own, in a sense, almost genetic or hereditary makeup is. Mm. And and obviously the reason I'm asking the question is that often what we then impose on children, we we assume, you know, you'd often hear, I, I want you to be stronger. I'm doing this for your, for your own good mm. so that you can be stronger and bolder. And the, the question is, does it actually ever happen? Does, is it possible <laughs> to change a child who's not bolder and stronger to be bolder and stronger be, by being harder? So it is to some extent. I mean, there are there are definitely some, shall we say, self growth um, and uh, uh, sort of groups or therapies that you can do with children that definitely help them to be a little more resilient. But you never, you know, I, I, I please, I don't want anybody to get the impression that there's this kind of like 
step one, two, three, and you can make your child into a certain thing. No, mm. it's not the case, you mm. know. Um, but definitely, if you've got a child who's very shy, very introverted, struggles to socialize, and they get the right help, um, they can definitely become more confident in social settings, for example. That's not to say they will ever be very extroverted. Mm. No, okay. Mm. You know, the ch- children are not like plasticine or just like little pieces of, I don't know, sort of rubber or whatever that you can just mold into whatever. Mm. No, it's far more complex than that. But we can definitely guide and help and even little children can learn to cope better and build on the resources that they're born with. Dr. I'm going to play us the clip um, of the child uh, a case study here. And I'm, yes. I'm going to ask you to take us through a few things that I think can help many of us, um, yes. you know, sort of navigate our own little journeys with children. And this is a clip of, uh, she's eight to nine, I think she's just turned nine now, um, of a child who was asked yes. about self-love. And this is what she had to say. I don't okay. really understand the terms of self-love because I really hate myself. I feel like that there's nothing I can do to make me stop hating myself. And even if I do start loving myself, there will always be that part of me that just says that you are that you're not perfect and nobody loves you. So I feel like you should just block out those um, um, negative thoughts by um, just taking some time to yourself and really understanding that you're the that you are very lovable and you, and just by loving yourself you can make a huge difference in your life. So, but. You could find something that makes you happy and, in fact, find someone that makes you happy. Just anything that will make you happy or anyone that will make you happy is good enough to make you feel that you love yourself and nothing can change that. So it's quite complex, Dr. Rue. I don't know what wow, you were talking yes. It's quite complex. I mean, I was quite surprised that the child is only nine because there they seems yeah. to be quite a, um, a, you know, she's got a, a great sense of, of self, in fact, I think. Yes. Um, yes, yes. So there are a couple of things. First of all, it's it's a child who I think has reflected a lot on how she feels about herself. I get that sense mm. because she says a lot of things about how she sees herself and how she should block out noise and so. So I get the feeling that she's been reflecting on this. The question mm. though is, as a parent, you'd want to know, right, that this is how your child feels. How do we get to 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 have that conversation with a child it's not very likely to be um you know you're not likely to get this response if you're a parent saying to the child how are you they're not likely to say this to you but how do we then get to to have that conversation with with our children so i think you know that those types of conversations really need to be preceded by the parent just being um quite observant of their child um, how, what their child's, you know, ongoing emotional statuses and social functioning, that sort of thing, um, and and really to have open channels of communication on many topics. Um, 
so that if if a child, for example, starts to appear to be sad, withdrawn, quite um, down emotionally, um, you know, sort of not really engaging much with the family, with friends, that sort of thing, those are all warning signs that. You know, for a parent that okay, something's going on with my child here that that I'm you know I need to be maybe concerned about, and then it would be to 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 make the time to actually and 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 maybe orchestrate it almost in a sense for the right setting, so that you have one-on-one time with the child where you aren't rushed. There isn't school to get to or work to get to or function or something. Although the current situation we don't have those, mm. <laughs> but but normally. Um, so you know to then engage with the child and say, look, you know, you know, you don't seem you don't seem so happy. Something seems to be troubling you. I've noticed for the last couple of weeks, da 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 da, da. Mm. and you carry on talking, you know, mm. about that. So it would be to start opening up that conversation. And sometimes children initially will deny it. They'll say, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm just tired, mm. or something like that, because they find it hard to face what they're struggling with. We all find it hard. So. But the parents shouldn't give up then if they if they really see this persisting to really continue to try and talk. Obviously, then if that doesn't work, to eventually get the child to to a professional person, somebody who could maybe assess the situation and and give some guidance as to what to do. Yeah, and and often children themselves tend to want to protect the parent. So if the issue is about the parent, they're not likely to open up to the parent. Absolutely. They, they're not likely to. They may. Some children will, but then again, it depends on what the relationship is beforehand. So, um, but, but you're quite right, actually. For the most part, children, you know, they, they want to protect their parents. Um, they don't want to upset their parents. Mm. So they find it hard to talk about whatever, even if it doesn't involve the parents. But if, obviously, if the parents are the other ones, you know, even possibly unknowingly, that mm. are causing the situation that's causing so much distress for the child. The child is, you know, kind of may well find it incredibly difficult to then tell the parent. I mean, you do get those children who mm. will say, "Well, you know, you did this, this, and this, or said this, this, and this, and you know, whatever." But, but for the most part, children won't. They'll just try and push it away. Mm. Yeah. The child, and then it would be yeah. to go to a professional person. Sorry, yeah, it mm. would be to, as I said earlier, go to a professional person. Yeah, but, yeah. The, this child, um, you know, was go- given some bit of counselling, and you know, the parents mm. have spoken to them, and they were very surprised, and they were also concerned to their credit. Mm. But the child spoke of pressure coming from, you know, just what what she feels is pressure, um, mm. and I and I I was just. Talking about, um, you know, what we then would ask of children because we want to mold them into, I suppose, mm. responsible children or parents one day or adults. And whether sometimes there's a fine line between trying to build this very prepared adult individual into the world and, and maybe pushing too far. Mm. You, That's a very good point. You make a very good point there because I think that's often, often what happens. You know, the parents really are trying to do their best and think they are doing their best but 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 put pressure on their children um to such an extent that the children feel that they are completely inadequate and that they can't meet their parents standards that they are failures that they're letting their parents down that they you know they won't 
amount to much at all in life. And, and if that's coupled with a lot of negative statements from the parents, then it's much worse. But even if it's you know not with all sorts of negative statements, but there is just a lot of pressure because the parents are wanting the best for their children, it can it can really do a lot of damage to the children and their own yeah their own self esteem and sense of self worth and their own self love and so it's a very fine balance it's mm. a, it's 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 not parenting is not for oh, yeah. <laughs> really so it's hard doctor is there, is is there a way of knowing what your child's breaking point is so that you don't get there and then say oopsie because I imagine that it is different from one child to another. Absolutely, you're quite right. So I think I think one of the big things is is to actually as parents is to yes, you know, we have our own expectations in our heads as parents as to what we would like our children to achieve, what we think they'll be good at, um, what they need to do in order to be a success in life. But that may not be the child's inclination or where their skills base really lies, mm. you know. So I think first and foremost, parents need to be sensitive to who is my child. You know, what is my child good at? I often, often say to parents, you've got to find something, some, something that your child excels in. Uh, everybody needs to have that little ray of sunshine in their lives, you know, where you kind of feel like you're wonderful, you're it, and you can bask in the glory. Um, and we know whether it's in art, whether it's in music, whether it's in mathematics, whether it's in athletics, whether it's in cricket or, or football or, or, or ballet, I don't know what it is. Mm. You know, maybe it's in just caring, maybe it's in loving animals and, and, and having a real, you know, a special way with animals. It doesn't matter what it is, but every child needs to have something where they feel that they are special. That helps to create that sense of self-love. Because w- the world is a cruel place. I was going to say, you know, yeah. kind of, It's going to bash us down a lot. But if we have one place where we shine and we feel appreciated, that undoes a lot of that negativity. Can, and I've heard this before, can it be hereditary? In other words, are some people just prone to being depressed for argument's sake? Just from mm. their DNA makeup, uh, where it doesn't really matter as a parent what you do, how much love you offer them, this child will never fill, um, never feel like their their cup is full. Um, mm. it, can it be something that you just have inherited from your gene pool? Okay, so that's a debate that okay. has been debated endlessly mm. <laughs> in in the medical profession, um, and and we still haven't got an answer to that, but but a, a definitive answer. But but what I will say is is that yes, we are again. I come back to we are born with some sort of personality. Mm. Our, our our environment that we grow in grow up in also definitely impacts then on how you know, what is made of that, that personality that we were born with. Um, you do, though, find, um, especially, you know, kind of within psychiatry and psychology, we often look for, with some of the conditions, some of the struggles that people have, we do look for whether there's a family history. Um, so, for example, sometimes we will ask and go back in the in the genealogy in terms of, you know, is there a family history of, of depression here? 
Um, and sometimes you do find it. You find that there is a family history of, de- of depression. And, and so you often, you know, it's then said that that person is clinically depressed mm-hmm. um, in that it's not a reaction to things in their lives. It's just something within them. So it can be, but but I would... But I'm 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 very careful. I'm wary. I'm I'm loath to say that if a child is depressed or if a child is withdrawn, we must assume then that's you know they've been born that way because um, because children are so young and they can they are just amazing. I mean they just learn and are able to have the capacity to learn and adapt in such incredible ways. And so. I would not want to pin that label on a child. I would want to say, yes, this child is experiencing some sort of depression and needs some therapy, but I would not want to say that this is a hereditary thing at that stage. You know, I think really to pin the, to kind of use those types of diagnoses, they really need to be in their late teens, early adulthood. You know, I'm sure you're seeing all kinds of cases at the moment with COVID and and the dynamics that we we are faced with. What are your biggest concerns for children? Sure, yeah, big, big concerns. We are. We're seeing a massive spike in psychiatric difficulties that people are struggling with. Um, And, you know, kind of my main concerns really are that people or kids especially are you know, they're growing up or right now. They're kind of living in this world that is so contrary to what human beings should be doing. You know, we are wired to be social. We we are not we are not wired to live in isolation. Um, so so you know, kind of we really need to. Yeah, we need to be having social interaction, and children are not having that. Um, and while they may be at home with their parents, um, a child's interaction with their parents and siblings is very different to their interaction with um, with with their peers. Mm. Um, so that that for a start. So so those children that are that are naturally kind of somewhat reticent to get you know to kind of interact socially this this current situation is really only pushing them further into that and it, it, it's going to mean that later on it's going to be much harder for them to almost come out of their shells again and mm-hmm. and be more socially interactive on the other hand those children that are outgoing are really really struggling mm-hmm. because they're feeling like they are being kept in a cage punished. you know Some so of them are feeling punished it, yeah yeah, for sure, for sure. It's absolutely terrible. And then we've also got the whole aspect of the f- fear, a fear, a, a real anxiety and fear around picking up the COVID-19 virus, you know. So they live in fear of that. And um, and especially if they are living in a home where you've got at least one parent who maybe isn't coping so well with it either, um, on, a, on a psychological level and is, is kind of almost transferring a lot of their own anxieties um, onto their their children. It makes it so much worse. I'm seeing a lot of children struggling with that in my practice at and, the moment. And how do we protect mm. children from the parents? So those who are picking up on the parents' anxiety at the moment. Mm. And, and it could be not just necessarily that they're going to be sick, but parents are losing jobs, parents' businesses are closing mm. down. So there's a lot of financial pressure and all of those. So you have parents walking around with anxiety. How do we protect those children? 
Yeah, no, really good point because I mean that financial anxiety and also you know people being anxious about other family members yes. if they've got you know sort of grandparents and people like that and being really anxious about that or a parent who's got comorbidities that make them high risk. So, and the way to deal with it really actually is to, a two, in my opinion, a two-pronged approach. You need to actually then be um, working with the parents to help them to cope with their own anxieties um, and then to work with the children to, to, you know, to bolster them. And within that, really just doing quite a lot of educating in terms of, of, you know, what to do. For example, it may be in terms of how to keep yourself safe, um, uh, you know, so that you minimize the risk of of getting the virus, but also for the adults, it might be things like how to manage their financial anxieties. Um, And and without denying that they are anxious, I mean, anybody, and I mean, there's so many people that have lost their jobs that, you know, that is a very anxiety-provoking situation, but how to manage that anxiety so that hopefully the children are not overly exposed. I don't believe in wrapping children up in cotton wool either. So, I mean, for example, if dad has lost his job, he's lost his job. Mm. You know, it's, it, it's no point in saying to the children, no, 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 it's all fine, it's all fine. I know it is worrying, but it's to sit down and talk about it logically and to say, okay, listen, this is what's happened, and obviously we are worried, but we are going to do the best that we can. So part of the best that we can do is we're going to have to now do these various things to cut back on the money that we have to spend so that the money we've got can hopefully last, you know, like a month longer than, you know, normally type of thing, you know, because most of us live literally from hand to mouth, you know. So, so you know, kind of we can't make our money last for, for ages, but at least we can maybe try and make it a bit longer. And then to say, okay, so we're going to have to really save on every little thing that we can. So this is not allowed, that's not allowed, this, et cetera, et cetera. And then to say, okay, and then we're going to have to be very clever. We're going to have to all put our minds together and all think about what are some of the ways that we could maybe make money you know, do things to make money and, and, and make it like a, a, almost like a, a family project without making the children responsible. Mm-hmm. You can't make them responsible, but you can at least make them help them to feel like they can contribute and yeah. they will want to. Yeah. And that helps them to feel better about themselves because they feel like they can really do something of significance, however little that is, you know. Dr. Um, before yeah. I let you go, um, we've got mm. the, the mom of the daughter, the, the little girl that yes. um, that we were listening to earlier uh, on the mm. line with us. And and I suppose, uh, welcome to the show, Ma. I'm not going to reveal your name, but thank you for joining the conversation. Thank you so much. So, Dr. Ru, I mean, your your advice to her with a child who, who said the things that they said, what would you say to her? So, I would say to her... Um, I know that as a, as, a, as a parent, it's very hard to hear your child talking like that when they feel like they are no good and don't like themselves. Um, I, and, you know, and, I, and I, I really feel for you on that level. But um, I think it's really about, okay, this is how she's feeling. How, how, do we, how do we deal with this? How do we make it better? And that is doable. Um, and so I'd really want you to hold on to that, you know. And and what I would really recommend is, is that you try and chat to her about how can, you know, what can you do to help her to feel better about herself? What are some of the things possibly that you are doing without meaning to, but, but that have made her feel that way? 
um, start opening up those channels of communication and then also start pointing out to her how the wonderful things she does do and how helpful she is and how special she is, how unique she is. Um, And it could be little things. It could be that she regularly makes you a cup of tea. Um, And then, you know, to say to her, you know, my girl, the fact that you make me a cup of tea, just it means so much to me, uh, you know, because it tells me you care. She feels wonderful then. You know, you don't want her to feel like she's responsible for your well-being, but it's, it's little things like that. Or it could be that she does the dishes, she washes the dishes, to say, I really appreciate your help. It, you know, it really makes a difference in the family, that type of thing. So really to build her up and, and point out for her to her how she can help and how she does help and what she's really good at. Mm. Ma, do you have any questions for Dr. Rue? Yes, I do. Mm, go ahead. Um, do you think the way she feels is, 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 is comes from how we are as her parents or it's something that she feels on her own? Where do you think or what do what could be the source of how she feels? Okay, that's a, that's a very good question and I think one that any parent would want to know in your situation. Um, it's difficult to say because I haven't really spent any time with her, but what I would say is, is that within her saying what she said, she also gave quite a lot of positive stuff as well towards the end of that voice note that was sent, um, which tells me that she somewhere along the line has learned some skills. So I would say that probably um, things that happened in her little her life at that moment in time that made her feel bad about herself, um, whether that was justified or unjustified, um, and that may well have come from yes, you, you know, you as the parents. But I'm not hearing all bad in that situation. I am hearing some positive stuff. So I suppose what I would want to say to you is have a very careful and critical look at, at, at how you are treating her. Maybe there are, there's always room for improvement. Not one of us. I mean, I'm a parent too, and believe me, I don't get it right all the time. So we can all improve. So, you know, just okay. look at that and see how you can improve. Um, and 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 work on that, but I wouldn't want you, yeah, I wouldn't want you to think, oh my gosh, I've now ruined my child for life. I don't mm. think that's the case. I think oh, it's okay. really about, okay, we've no, we've t- we've now, you now this has come to our attention. We need to take note of it and and make sure you're talking to her lots and lots. Mm. Yeah. When when you and spoke, I'm sure you can improve. When mm. you spoke to her, Ma, were, were there things that surprised you about how she felt? Yes, yes, I was very, very surprised because, uh, like, the way she is or the way I am to her, I, like, I, I would not expect her to feel like that. That's why I'm asking what, what, could, what, what does the psychologist think could be the, um, the source of how she feels? Because mm. I know I try my best in, like, to make her feel loved and I encourage her to, 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 show, to love herself as well, you know? Mm. Is she a perfectionist? Does she always want to do everything perfectly? I, I don't. She's not a perfectionist, but I think maybe one of us as parents is a perfectionist. Because mm. when I spoke to her and I asked mm. her what, what your, where was this coming from, she said something about um, she feels pressured. Okay. 
What, yeah. a, what a wonderful way for you to reflect on yourselves as parents and so to be so honest and, and, and open to the fact that it may be you that is... Exactly. I, I have to compliment you on that. There are yeah. not a lot of parents that do that. Mm. So, you know, I feel... Uh, yeah, I have to say well done. Dr. Ruth, can I ask <laughs> that I just pause the two of you while you just mull on that a little bit so that you can give her maybe uh, some advice at the end while I take a quick break. And if there is a call, perhaps we'll take one zero eight nine one one zero four two seven. Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation. We're in conversation with Dr. Lynette Rue and a mom of a child who who felt like she didn't love herself. And she's only nine and we're just trying to navigate how to assist herself and as well as the parents in this situation. Uh, Dr. Rue, did you have questions for the mother? What were your final comments? More just a final comment or, or suggestion would be to say, I think it's really important, I was just reflecting now, it's really important um, for parents, and in particular this mum, to let her child know it's okay to make mistakes. We don't have to be perfect. Um, in fact, I think being perfect means being able to recognize that sometimes we do make mistakes and being able to admit to it and then try to you know, apologize or work on it. So to let her know it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay not to be perfect in everything because often children feel very pressured to be perfect and to do everything right, especially if they've got parents who are high achievers or who push a lot. And, and likewise, then, it's also important that those parents let their children know that they themselves as parents are not perfect people. They too make mistakes and they too struggle with certain things. Mm-hmm. And I think when, if you can let your child know that, that you are not perfect and you can apologize to your child when you make a mistake and they are not perfect, they don't have to be perfect, they are loved anyway. I think you go a long, long way to, to work through all of these types of struggles with mm-hmm. children. You know, I think from what you were saying, Dr. Ru, um, just to the mother, the, the one thing she said you could do immediately is to show her and tell her of the things you appreciate, uh, you know, about her and what she does so that she starts feeling mm-hmm. a little bit like she is appreciated specifically by you as the parents. Yes. Very much so. That's very important as well. Yeah, yeah. We've lost her line there. Dr. Lynette Ruth, thank you so much oh, for yeah. making the time to talk to us. Really appreciate it. It's a pleasure, really. It's, it's an absolute pleasure. And, and I just want to say to all the parents listening out there, you know, kind of keep going. It's hard work being parents, but it's really worth it. <laughs> thank you very, very much for making the time to, us, to talk to us. That yes. conversation will be available as a podcast.